Good morning, everyone. Thank you this morning. Uh, glad that you're here. I got to tell you that Shane wanted me to dance up here to that music, and that would have been a major distraction. And today we are going to be talking about distraction, and we're looking at hope beyond life's distractions. So as we begin this morning, I've got a couple of uh, questions for you. How many of us today would be honest enough to say that we have many distractions in our life? Anybody with me on that? Uh, some of you, those that didn't raise your hand, you're distracted and you're not paying attention or you would have raised your hand with us, right? Because we all have distractions in life. But how many of you this morning would be honest enough to say, you know what, in my life I have too many distractions? Anybody like that? All right, again, some aren't listening because that should have been all of us. Uh, there are many distractions that we have in our life. And I think sometimes if we were to really be honest and say we have too many distractions because those distractions sometimes are leading to chaos in our life. Anybody say you got chaos because of distractions in your life? So we keep bringing it down. So now there's two of us that have chaos in our lives because of the distractions. But it happens. Sometimes distractions in our life, uh, they get us off focus, they get us off track. Chaos comes in to our lives because of the distractions. There are many different things that can distract us in life. Uh, sometimes our very thoughts can distract us. Now, I want to know how many of you are with me on this. You'll be working on a task and all of a sudden you're thinking about something that is way out there and you're wondering how in the world that came into your mind at this particular point in time. Anybody else besides me like that? And you can't get it out of your mind, right? And the more you think about it, the more it lingers and stays. The more you try to get rid of it, the more it keeps coming back. Sometimes those thoughts may be something like this. It may be something that has happened at some point in time and you're just remembering that. Or maybe it's somebody that you're thinking about because of something that they've done to you that you didn't like. And you begin to think of, how can I get even with that person? And you keep dwelling on that and dwelling on that. If you're anything like me, I don't think of how I can get even. I think about how I can get ahead, right? I'm going to show them. And that thought just keeps coming back into my mind over and over. And I keep thinking of all these different things that I can do. So that thoughts are a distraction. How about this one? How about technology? How many of you have one of these things with you today? Here's what happens with these, all right? So we have these things called cell phones, and they are very handy. I've got five things I need to look at right now. Now I'm more distracted because I want to see what all that's about. But we have these things called cell phones, right? And they were supposed to come into our lives to help make our lives better, and we can be in communication. But how many of you have been in the middle of a task, maybe a conversation with somebody or something, and your cell phone goes off? And maybe you're like, mine. mine's on silent right now, and you feel that little buzz, and you're like trying to ignore it. Or maybe it is not on silent, and you hear the ring or something, and you know somebody's trying to get a hold of you, somebody's trying to tell you something, and you're trying to ignore it, but you can't because you want to know what's going on. And finally, by the time you check it, you realize, I was distracted for that. But these things can be a huge distraction, right? And also with these things comes uh, all the technology behind it. You know, you can get on there, you can search anything you want to know about in the world. And you got Facebook on there and 
Shane was talking about going to Facebook, and I just realized I've been on the wrong Living Water Facebook page for years because I didn't look for the picture. And so right now you're thinking, i got to go to Facebook, and i got to get on the right Facebook page so I'll know what's going on. And it becomes a distraction in our life. Now, I love this because uh, here a few months ago I bought one of these things, the little distracting watch that ties to my phone because I thought, this is genius. I can have that on my wrist, and if I'm in a conversation with somebody, I don't have to pull out the phone to look. I can do a quick glance on my So now, here's what I do. Instead of pulling out my iPhone to look, because I can't see real well, I pull it out, and I'm like, oh, that's not a distraction at all in the conversation, is it? Or how about this? You're in a conversation with somebody, and they get distracted by their phone or their watch, and you think, hey, who am I? Uh, you're distracted. We're trying to have a conversation. You're not paying attention to me. So you just told that person that they're not important right now. What is more important is that distraction that we carry around in our pocket. So technology is a distraction. Uh, I, I, I got to say this about that distraction as I think about it. It just came to my mind. How many of you let that be a distraction while you're driving down the road? Wait, I know none of us would do that. But how many of you have seen somebody else this week that that was a distraction while they're driving down the road, right? And, uh, and it becomes a problem. So it is a distraction. Technology can be a distraction. How about this? People in your life, some people in your life can be a distraction. Sometimes it's just that you're working on a task and somebody comes in, they have a question, and now you're off focus of what you were trying to work on because of that question. Maybe not a bad thing, but it just became a distraction. Or for some of you parents that have kids, you would say, i got a lot of people in my life right now that are distractions, right? Not bad distractions, but they can become a distraction in our life. Just normal day, everyday events can be a distraction in our life. Sometimes distractions are things that are totally out of our control. Sometimes it can be an illness that comes into our life that becomes a distraction. Sometimes it could be a death in the family or something like that. It becomes a distraction in our life, something that we must deal with at that moment. There are many different distractions. Sometimes stress can be a distraction. Anybody stressed out? And stress becomes a, a, a distraction. Landon raised his hand, and Landon stresses me out. I agree. Uh, becomes a distraction. Tiredness can be a distraction. Sometimes we get tired and, and we think about the rest that we need and we can't get that rest and it's a distraction. All different things in this world that can become a distraction. Now here's what I know. I've talked about all these different distractions and there's probably something coming to your mind right now that can be a distraction over the next few minutes if you let it. The question is, can we put that distraction away long enough to hear what God has to say for us? And it goes beyond this, it goes into life. I read an article this week that said U.S. employees distracted at least every 31 minutes during the workday. So for the average person, while they're at work, trying to do the work that they're getting paid to do, every 31 minutes they get distracted. Now, if you think about that, every 31 minutes they're getting distracted, but how long do those distractions last? Some last for a few seconds. Some last for a few minutes. Some can last even much longer than that. So think about how much of our work day is being wasted 
because of the distractions that come into our life every 31 minutes at the workplace. I really find that interesting because ever since I started into ministry, all the training you get, everything they teach you, is don't let your sermons go over 30 minutes because that is the attention span of people. And if you go over 30 minutes, they are going to get distracted and they're not going to hear what you have to say. I think that is a little bit long for a lot of people. If you go more than three or four minutes, they get distracted, but... It is very interesting, the distractions that can come. Many things that can be a distraction in our life. Let me give you a definition this morning of distraction. It's a very simple definition, but it's a distraction is an interruption that directs our attention from one thing to something else. It's an interruption that directs our attention from one thing to something else. This past November, Lori and I's life was changed. There was a distraction that came into our life. Well, listen, we really had it good, okay? Our kids are out of the house. Things are, are all in our favor. We can do whatever we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. It does not matter. And then distraction came by the name of Oscar. Now, who would think this little, cute, adorable puppy could be a distraction? Well, I get less sleep. I got more gray hairs. My hands will never be the same again because he keeps chewing on them and scratching on them and they keep bleeding all the time, but, but he's adorable, right? But he has become a distraction in our life. Now, don't get me wrong. He's not a bad distraction sometimes. Sometimes he's an okay distraction, but now we try to go somewhere and we think, man, I got to go home and take care of the dog. We were past that stage. We could go and not come home if we wanted to, but now we got to come back because of this distraction in our life. Now, someone asked me earlier from the first service, are you putting the dog on the stage to auction the dog off? Depends on the moment and depends on the price. We love our dog. Don't get me wrong, but money talks. All right, so moving on from the distraction of Oscar. Oh, by the way, I have to mention this. That distraction came into our life because of one person, and her name is Rachel. So we were at Rachel and Shane's house one night, and she just happened to mention that Tanner, had a, his dog had puppies. And I just happened to say, you know, I would like to have a dog. Our dog died a couple years ago. I was like, I'd like to have a dog. And the whole time we're talking, I don't realize it, but she's on her phone texting Tanner saying, I've got somebody that will take one of your dogs. So now I'm committed. How can I not take Oscar home? So it's all Rachel's fault. Uh, Matter of fact, most of the distractions in life you can just blame Rachel for. All right. Since the time of beginning till now, there have always been distractions that can come in life. And the reality is this. We all have distractions. And distractions can come in our lives at the most opportune time and the most inopportune time. Distractions will come in different forms. My distractions may not be the same as your distractions, and yours may not be the same as mine. And sometimes there's many distractions, and sometimes there's few distractions. But we have distractions in our life. And the question today I have for us is how can we keep the distractions in our lives from taking away the main focus in our life, which should be Christ? 
Today we're going to look at a very familiar story to most of us, if not all of us. If you uh, grew up in Sunday school, you've heard this story many times. If you've been in church for very long, you've probably heard this story many times. It is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. This story is recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So all of them see the significance of this story and, and adding it to to the book that they wrote. Uh, It's a very important story for us. And we've heard this story again many times, and a lot of us can tell the ending of the story. We can tell the miracle that takes place at the end of the story, but in just a few verses, we can see a lot of things that happen before we get to the miracle. And I think a lot of times we're so focused on that miracle at the end that we miss some of the stuff that's going on beforehand. So I want us to focus a little bit on, on the beginning of this story, if we can. So look at Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 30. It says, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Now let's stop right there a second. So the disciples, if you look back at the beginning of this chapter have been told by Jesus that you're going to go out and you're going to minister to the people. He splits them up in groups of two. So they go out in twos, two by two, and they go out and that part of the passage tells us that as they went out, they were telling people about Jesus. They were telling people about the need to repent and many people were healed and many demons were cast out of people. So the disciples went out and they saw God do a great work in them and through them. And they were excited to get back to tell Jesus about what had happened. Jesus, you sent us out. And man, let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you the stories and how God worked. And so they were excited to come back and to tell Jesus. And in verse 31, then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. So there's a crowd of people around Jesus. They're coming, they're going, they want to to hear what's going on. They came because they wanted to see some of these miracles take place, and they're coming and going. Jesus says, we need to get away from these people. We need to go away. We need to rest, and we need to eat. And so they get in a boat. Look what happens, verse 32. They left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. And they came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fishes. Then Jesus told the disciples, to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. 
Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. I love this passage. I love what happens as these disciples come back. And Jesus looks at them, and as they're telling the story, he says, we need to get away. There's a lot of distractions that are going on. We don't even have time to eat. We need to get away. And so they get into the boat and they begin to leave. And all these people notice them. This would be a good time for me to tell you that not all distractions are bad distractions. As a matter of fact, some of the distractions that we have in life are good distractions. Remember, distractions are something that take our focus off of one thing and put it onto another. And sometimes those good distractions could come in to help us see what we need to see to do the ministry that God has asked us to do. And as we think about that, we think about their distractions that they had at this moment. There's a lot of distractions that are going on. And there's several things that I want to point out to you this morning. A couple of things that I really want us to think about. And I think this first one is very important for us. The first thing I want to point out today is that sometimes distractions can make us feel distant from God. Sometimes distractions in our life can make us feel distant from God. Now, I don't know where each one of us are at in our lives today, but I know that there are times in some people's life that because of the distractions, we can become extremely overwhelmed. And sometimes we get overwhelmed to the point where we wonder if God even understands what I'm going through. Sometimes that distraction can overwhelm us in such a way that all we're able to focus on is that distraction. And we begin to, to call out to God and we say, God, I, I, I just need you right now. I need you to show up. I need you to hear me. I need you to listen to me. And because of that distraction, we're not hearing from God. We wonder if our prayers are even getting past the ceiling. And this distraction is becoming more and more overwhelming in our life. But can I give you some good news today? That God hears you and God cares for you. And God loves you. No matter what you're facing in life, no matter what the distraction may be, God is close by. God is not distant Sometimes we allow that distraction to get in between us and God where it seems like he's distant. Sometimes God is at work behind the scenes and we don't see everything that's going on and we may feel like he's distant, but God is never distant. God is always close by. How do I know that? Well, a couple of things. One, in John 1, 14, we read, so the word became flesh. Some versions say the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. This passage is telling us about Jesus, who is God in the flesh, who is coming to this world to dwell among us. He comes in the flesh. He comes to live with us and to live among us. 
And because he came to live in the world, that word flesh there is very important. That means that he came and lived just as you and I live. And the same things in this world that we have issues with, that we have struggles with, that can get us distracted and cause us to feel distant from God, those very same things he dealt with in his life as well. And he understands. Sometimes we can say, God, do you even understand where I'm at? Yes. He understands because he came, became flesh and he lived in this world as well. He understands the difficulties of this life. Those difficulties are not foreign to him because he faced them himself when he came into this world to live in the flesh. And then Hebrews 4.15 says, The high priest, the high priest being Jesus of ours, understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. Those two passages remind us that Christ came to this world, God in the flesh. He lived in this world. He went through the same kind of stuff that we go through. And he understands everything that we face. And then notice back at the beginning what we read. As the apostles return to Christ, and they're coming to him. They're excited, but they're tired. They're hungry. And because of the distractions around, Jesus cares enough for them that he says, let's get in the boat. Let's, let's go. Let's get away from this distraction. Jesus saw what they needed. And in that, we see that Jesus cares for his own. He cares for those that are his followers, and he sees what they're going through. He sees what is happening. If you were to read up a little bit before this, the passage tells us that while the disciples were out there out doing their ministry, and it's during that time that John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, is killed, he is beheaded. And in Matthew, in his version of this, he says it was at that moment that Jesus wanted to get away when he heard the news that John the Baptist had been killed. Whichever way it was that Jesus needed to get away because his friend John the Baptist had, had died or because these disciples needed rest, it does not matter. What we see is that he knows and he cares. Listen, I don't know where you're at in life, but know this. God is not distant. He loves you and he cares for you. And he knows your needs better than you even know your needs. And so don't let the distractions of this life take your focus off of him in a way that makes you think that God does not care for you because he cares for his own. But not only does he care for his own, but he also cares for the lost. He cares for those that are distant from him. It says as they were going to find this quiet place, the crowd is getting bigger and bigger and they're running out ahead of him. You can see them, you can see the picture of this large crowd that's running down the shore and they're ahead of Jesus where the, he's going with the disciples to get away. And there's this distraction of the crowd. But understand this, the distraction of the crowd does not alarm Jesus, does not upset Jesus. Matter of fact, it is the opposite of that. Jesus looks at them, and the scripture here says that he saw the crowd, and he had compassion for them. He was compassionate towards them. And he looked at them, and he saw them. He saw their hurts. He saw their pains. He saw their struggles. He saw their needs. But it says this about them. He saw them like sheep without a shepherd. 
Like sheep that are wandering around without a shepherd, and a sheep that wanders around without a shepherd is a sheep that is headed for destruction, that's headed for pain. And Jesus sees these lost sheep, and he has compassion. And so instead of continuing on to a quiet place, finding another quiet place, he gets out of the boat, and he begins ministering to these people. And the sick are healed. There's great things that are going on. Jesus is teaching them, and this goes on throughout the day. Why? Because he saw them, he cared for them, and he loved them enough to take the time to minister to them. What we see is a distraction. Jesus sees as an opportunity. And I wonder here, because you, you see him looking at the disciples saying, we need to get away, we need to rest, and we need to eat. And then the crowd is there, the distraction of the crowd. Did Jesus not know that the crowd was going to be a distraction? Yes, Jesus knew that ahead of time. So why was he doing this with the disciples? Why get into the boat to get away so we can go rest and eat? I think Jesus was showing the disciples what was important. And to not let the distractions of being tired, of needing rest, or anything else that comes in this world to keep us from the ministry opportunities that are around us. Which is the second point that I want us to see. Don't let the distractions of life limit your service to others. I love as the story goes on, And you see this beginning in verse 35. He says, late in the afternoon, his disciples come to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. So here the crowds have been with Jesus. Jesus has been ministering to the crowds. He's still ministering to the crowds. And the disciples are come up to him and they say, Jesus, it's getting late. McDonald's is about to close. Taco Villa's running out of burritos. These people are hungry. They need to go away and eat. So let us send them away. But I think if we go back to the beginning of this and we see that the disciples were tired, the disciples were hungry, the disciples were ready to tell Jesus their Jesus stories, that there may have been a little bit more to that conversation. Because I have a feeling these disciples were a whole lot like I would be. And it's more like, Jesus, I'm hungry. Jesus, I need rest. Can we please send these people away? Even in the midst of the ministry opportunity that's right there. And I need my Jesus time. I want to tell him my stories. I want to have this conversation with him. And these people are really kind of in the way of all that happening. Now that's not what we see there. That's not what it says. But I know how I would be. And that's how I would be. And I would would miss those ministry opportunities, that serving opportunity that is there. But I love this. Jesus looks at them and he says, you feed them. Oh, wait a second. Jesus, we need to send them away so they can go and eat. Jesus says, no, you feed them. And they look at him and they say, with what? I don't have anything to feed them with. And it would take us months to earn enough money to feed all of these people. Now keep in mind, these guys just came off of a great mission trip. 
They came off of an exciting time where Jesus was working through them. God was doing great things. Many people's lives were changed. God was healing people. Demons were cast out. God was using them. They were excited about that. And now Jesus lays another ministry opportunity in front of them to feed a few people. I mean, how hard could that be, right? And they look at him and say, we don't have what we need to do that. And here's what happened. They got distracted of that ministry opportunity that Jesus laid out right then. They got distracted because they were focused on their own inadequacies. And they said, we don't have enough. We, we can't do it. God, I don't, have, I don't have what it needs. I, I don't have the answers that these people are looking for. God, I don't know what to say. God, I know you're putting this ministry opportunity right here in front of me to take care of these people, but God, I, I'm not equipped to do this. And then look what Jesus does. He says, how much do you have? Go and find out. So they go and they find and they come back to Jesus and man, all we got is five loaves of bread and two fish. And I have a feeling that these weren't like monster fish, whales. Who would carry that to a deal like this? I'm guessing these were normal, average fish that somebody like that would carry in a lunch as they're going out for the day. And they say, Jesus, that's all we have. And Jesus looks at them and he says, guess what? That's enough. That's enough. And Jesus takes the bread and the fish and he blesses it. And he begins to hand it out as he breaks it to the disciples. The disciples go out and they hand it out. Remember, it's groups of 50 to 100. They take the bread and they go deliver it. And they come back and they get some fish and they take it out. And they give it to all the people. They keep coming back and forth. And by the time all the people were fed... And they were all satisfied with the meal that they had. There is fish and bread left over. And you know why? Because what is little to us is plenty for Jesus. And it's more than plenty for Jesus. It is more than enough. And all he wants us to do is to be available with the little that we have. And not get distracted with the things that we don't have. And sometimes it's easy for us to say, God, I can't do that. God, you want me to minister to these people. God, you want me to tell these people as the disciples went out that they need to repent. They need to give their life to you. God, I don't have the answers. I don't have what I need. And Jesus says, bring me what you need and watch what I will do. Be faithful with what we have. How many times do we have ministry opportunities in front of us and we say, Jesus, there's nothing that I have to offer here. How many times, and I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where we are reminded that his power is made perfect in our weakness. That means in what we have that is little, that is more than enough for him. In Matthew 28, we are told to go into all of the world to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And I love that when he commands us to go out into this world to be his witnesses, he ends that command with these words. He says, and I am with you always. Those are very important words. Because what he is saying is you may not have enough, 
but I am enough. And I am all that you need. So he tells them, find what you have and bring it back. And he says, that is enough. Listen and never forget this. Little is much when God is in it. And when we bring to God the little that we have, he is able to take that little and he is able to multiply it. And he is able to do greater things than what we ever dreamed or imagined. Jesus never asked us to be enough or to have enough. That is not what we see in the gospel of all. Think about it this way. Think about our salvation. Why did Jesus die on the cross for you and for me? Because when it came to God's standard and God's requirements for us to have a relationship with Him, we don't have enough. We're not good enough, and we can never bring enough. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us that our, unri- or our righteousness is as filthy rags to Him. We cannot be good enough, and we cannot have enough. And so Christ went to the cross. He died for you and for me. Why? Because Jesus is enough. And one day, when we get to heaven, and we stand before God, and we're going to stand there with absolutely nothing, because there is nothing that we can bring, and He is not going to see us in our unrighteousness. He is going to see us through the righteousness of Christ, because Christ is enough. Not only is He enough, but he is more than enough. He is more than enough. So in our distractions in life, we got to figure out how do we look beyond that to the hope? How do we look beyond the things that distract us every day and see the hope that is in Christ Jesus? That is the challenge. And I, and I got to be honest, I was thinking about this all week long. Think, how do we get to that point? where we're able to see beyond the distractions, the good distractions, the, the bad distractions? How are we able to get to where we can see beyond the distractions of life and keep our focus on the hope that we have in Christ? And I, this is the best I can come up with, okay? Maybe God is showing you something different than me. If he does, please tell me, because I'm struggling with the distractions. But could it just be that when a distraction comes into our life, that that is the moment that we just need to take some time and be still and say, God, what do you want me to see even beyond the distraction that's in front of me? God, what do I need to be focused on right now? Because I believe sometimes that distraction is what we need to be focused on because God is redirecting our path. But sometimes that distraction is something that we just need to get out of our mind, get away from us so that we can focus on what is important. Use that time when that distraction comes to remind us of who Christ is and help us to see Him and to see the hope and not lose focus of that hope that we have in Him because our hope is in Him and Him alone. Good news for you. One day, we will have no more distractions because our life here on this earth will be over and we will hopefully be in his presence for all of eternity if you have placed your faith and trust in him. And and there'll be no more distractions that'll get our focus off of him. But while we're here on this earth, we have distractions that we face every day. How do we deal 
with those distractions in our life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for the challenge that comes through your word. God, I thank you today for your word that speaks to our hearts. And God, I pray that you would just take your word today and and you would use it to speak to us. You would use it to show us what you would have each one of us to see in our own personal lives. God, I pray that we would not be so distracted in life that we would ever lose our focus on you. God, I pray that those distractions that come and go would not be things that would get us off course. But God, somehow you would use the distractions in life to keep us focused on you and to help us to remember where our hope is. And our hope is in you and you alone. God, I pray right now, again, you just speak to our hearts. And God, I pray for someone here today who may not know you as their Lord and Savior. Maybe there have been many distractions that have kept them from seeing you for who you are. God, I pray right now you would just clear those distractions from their, their mind. God, you would show them who you are and that today they would be drawn to you and today would be the day of salvation for them. God, maybe there's things that are going on in our life that are out of our control that sometimes we focus on and we let that be a distraction and we miss what you are doing around us. We miss the ministry opportunities that are around us. And God, I pray that you would just help us to focus on the things that we need to see each and every day. God, we thank you most of all for your wonderful love for us and that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us and we thank you that he is enough and that if we place our faith and trust in you, that that is all that we need. God, we love you and it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.